propositions one to nineteen of the elements of theology this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by geoffrey edwards the elements of theology by proclus translated by thomas taylor proposition one all multitude participates in a certain respect of the one for if it in no respect participates of the one neither will the whole be one whole nor each of the many of which the multitude consists but there will also be a certain multitude arising from each of these and this will be the case to infinity each of these infinites likewise will again be infinite multitude for participating in no respect of any one neither according to the whole of itself nor according to each of the many which it contains it will be in every respect and according to the whole infinite for each of the many which you may assume will either be one or not one will either be many or nothing but if each is nothing that also which consists of these will be nothing and if each is many each will consist of infinites infinitely and this not in capacity but in energy these things however are impossible for neither does any being consist of infinites infinitely assumed since there is not more than the infinite but that which consists of all is more than each nor is it possible for anything to be composed from nothing all multitude therefore participates in a certain respect of the one proposition two every thing which participates of the one is both one and not one for if it is not the one itself since it participates of the one being something else besides the one it suffers or is passive to it according to participation and sustains to become one if therefore it is nothing besides the one it is one alone and does not participate of the one but will be the one itself but if it is something besides the one which is not the one but its participant it is both not one and one not indeed such a one as the one itself but one being as participating of the one this therefore is not one nor is it that which the one is but it is one and at the same time a participant of the one hence being of itself not one it is both one and not one being something else besides the one and so far indeed as it abounds it is not one but so far as it is passive to the one it is one everything therefore which participates of the one is both one and not one proposition three 
every thing which becomes one becomes so through the participation of the one and is one so far as it suffers the participation of the one for if things which are not one become one they doubtless become so by a conjunction and communication with each other and they sustain the presence of the one not being that which the one itself is hence they participate of the one so far as they suffer to become one for if they are already one they will not become one since that which is does not become that which it is already but if they become one from nothing id est from the privation of the one since a certain one is ingenerated in them the one itself is prior to them and this ingenerated one must be derived from the one itself everything therefore which becomes one becomes so through the participation of the one etc proposition four everything which is united is different from the one itself for if it is united it will participate in a certain respect of the one so far as it is said to be united that however which participates of the one is both one and not one but the one itself is not both one and not one for if this were the case again the one which is in it would have both these and this would take place to infinity there being no one itself at which it is possible to stop but everything being one and not one there will be something united which is different from the one for if the one is the same with the united it will be infinite multitude and in a similar manner each of the things of which the united consists will be infinite multitude everything therefore which is united is different from the one itself proposition five all multitude is posterior to the one for if multitude is prior to the one the one indeed will participate of multitude but multitude which is prior to the one will not participate of the one since that multitude existed prior to the subsistence of the one for it will not participate of that which is not because that which participates of the one is one and at the same time not one but the one will not yet subsist that which is first being multitude it is however impossible that there should be a certain multitude which in no respect whatever participates of the one multitude therefore is not prior to the one but if multitude subsists simultaneously with the one and they are naturally coordinate with each other for nothing of time will prevent them being so neither will the one of itself be many nor will multitude be one as being at one and the same time oppositely divided by nature 
if neither is prior or posterior to the other. Hence multitude of itself will not be one, and each of the things that are in it will not be one, and this will be the case to infinity, which is impossible. Multitude, therefore, according to its own nature, participates of the one, and it will not be possible to assume anything of it which is not one. For, not being one, it will be an infinite consisting of infinites, as has been demonstrated. Hence, it entirely participates of the one. If, therefore, the one, which is of itself one, in no respect participates of multitude, multitude will be entirely posterior to the one, participating indeed of the one, but not being participated by the one. But if the one participates of multitude, subsisting indeed as one according to hyparxis, but as not one according to participation, the one will be multiplied, just as multitude is united on account of the one. The one, therefore, will communicate with multitude, and multitude with the one. But things which coalesce, and communicate in a certain respect with each other, if indeed they are collected together by something else, that something else is prior to them. But if they themselves collect themselves, they are not opposed to each other, for opposites do not hasten to each other. Hence if the one and multitude are oppositely divided, and multitude, so far as multitude is not one, and the one, so far as one is not multitude, neither will one of these subsisting in the other be one, and at the same time two. If also there is something prior to them which collects them, this will either be one or not one. But if it is not one, it will either be many or nothing. It will not, however, be many, lest multitude should be prior to the one, nor yet will it be nothing. For how can nothing congregate? It is therefore one alone. For this which is the one cannot be many, lest there should be a progression to infinity. It is therefore the one itself, and all multitude is from the one itself. Proposition 6. Concerning Unity. Every multitude consists either of things united, or of unities. For that each of things many will not be itself multitude alone, and again that each part of this will not be multitude alone is evident. But if it is not multitude alone, it is either united or unities. Henedis. And if indeed it participates of the one, it is united. But if it consists of things, of which that which is primarily united consists, it will be unities. For if there is the one itself, there is also that which primarily participates of it, and which is primarily united. But this consists of unities. For if it consists of things united, again things united consist of certain things, 
and this will be the case to infinity. It is necessary, however, that what is primarily united should consist of unities, and thus we have discovered what we proposed at first. We that every multitude consists either of things united or of unities. Proposition 7. Concerning producing causes and things produced. Everything productive of another is more excellent than the nature of the thing produced. For it is either more excellent or less excellent or equal. Hence, that which is produced from this will either also itself possess a power productive of something else, or it will be entirely unprolific. But if it is unprolific, according to this very thing it will be inferior to that by which it was produced, and through its inefficacy it is unequal to its cause which is prolific, and has the power of producing. But if it also is productive of other things, it either likewise produces that which is equal to itself, and this in a similar manner in all things, and all beings will be equal to each other, and no one thing will be better than another, that which produces, always giving subsistence in a consequent series to that which is equal to itself, or it produces that which is unequal to itself, and thus that which is produced will no longer be equal to that which produces it. For it is the province of equal powers to produce equal things. The progeny of these, however, will be unequal to each other, if that which produces indeed is equal to the cause prior to itself. But the thing posterior to it is unequal to it. Hence it is not proper that the thing produced should be equal to its producing cause. Moreover, neither will that which produces ever be less than that which is produced by it. For if it imparts essence to the thing produced, it will also supply it with essential power. But if it is productive of all the power which that posterior to it possesses, it will also be able to produce itself such as that posterior nature is. And if this be the case, it will also make itself more powerful. For impotency cannot hinder, productive power being present, nor a defect of will, since all things naturally aspire after good. Hence, if it is able to render another thing more perfect, it will also perfect itself before it perfects that which is posterior to itself. Hence, that which is produced is not equal to, nor more excellent than, its producing cause. The producing cause, therefore, is in every respect better than the nature of the thing produced. Proposition 8. Concerning the first good, which is called the good itself. That which is primarily good, and which is no other than the good itself, is the leader of all things that in any way whatever participate of good. For if all beings aspire after good, it is evident that what is primarily good is beyond beings. 
for if it is the same with some one being either being and the good are the same and this particular being will no longer be desirous of good since it is that to which it is passive it is since it is the good for that which aspires after anything is indigent of that after which it aspires and is different from it and if some one being and the good are the same being indeed will participate and that which is participated in being will be the good hence the good is a certain good inherent in a certain participant and after which the participant alone aspires but is not that which is simply good and which all beings desire for this is the common object of desire to all beings but that which is inherent in a certain thing pertains to that alone which participates of it hence that which is primarily good is nothing else than good for whatever else you may add to it you will diminish by the addition the good and will make it to be a certain good instead of that which is simply good for that which is added not being the good but something less than it will by its own essence diminish the good proposition nine concerning that which is sufficient to itself every thing which is sufficient to itself either according to essence or according to energy is more excellent than that which is not sufficient to itself but has the cause of its perfection suspended from another cause for if all beings naturally aspire after good and one thing supplies well-being from itself but another is indigent of something else the one indeed will have the cause of good present but the other separate and apart by how much the nearer therefore the former is to that which supplies the object of desire edest to the good by so much the more excellent will it be than that which is indigent of a separate cause and externally receives the perfection of its hyparxis or its energy for since that which is sufficient to itself is both similar and diminished it is more similar to the good itself than that which is not self-sufficient it is diminished indeed through participating of the good and because it is not primarily the good yet it is in a certain respect allied to it so far as it is able to possess good from itself but to participate and to participate through another are more remote from that which is primarily good and which is nothing else than good proposition ten every thing which is sufficient to itself is inferior to that which is simply good for what else is a thing sufficient to itself than that which from itself and in itself possesses good but this is now full of good and participates of it but is not that which is simply good for that is better than participation and plenitude as has been demonstrated if therefore that which is sufficient to itself fills itself with good 
that from which it fills itself will be more excellent than the self-sufficient and will be above self-sufficiency and neither will that which is simply good be indigent of anything for it does not aspire after anything else since by aspiring after it would be deficient of good nor is that which is simply good sufficient to itself for thus it would be full of good and would not be primarily the good proposition eleven concerning cause all beings proceed from one first cause for either there is not any cause of beings or the causes of all finite things are in a circle or the ascent is to infinity and one thing is the cause of another and the presubsistence of essence will in no respect stop if however there is no cause of beings there will neither be an order of things second and first of things perfecting and perfected of things adorning and adorned of things generating and generated and of agents and patients nor will there be any science of beings for the knowledge of causes is the work of science and we are then said to know scientifically when we know the causes of things but if causes revolve in a circle the same things will be prior and posterior more powerful and more imbecile for every thing which produces is better than the nature of that which is produced it makes however no difference to conjoin cause to effect and to produce from cause through many or through fewer media for cause will be more excellent than all the intermediate natures of which it is the cause and by how much the more numerous the media by so much greater is the causality of the cause and if the addition of causes is to infinity and there is always again another cause prior to another there will be no science of any being for there is not a knowledge of any thing infinite but causes being unknown neither will there be a science of the things consequent to the causes if therefore it is necessary that there should be a cause of beings and causes are distinct from the things caused and there is not an ascent to infinity there is a first cause of beings from which as from a root everything proceeds some things indeed being nearer to but others more remote from it for that it is necessary there should be one principle has been demonstrated because all multitude subsists posterior to the one proposition twelve the principle and first cause of all beings is the good for if all things proceed from one cause as has been above demonstrated it is requisite to call that cause either the good or that which is more excellent than the good but if it is more excellent than the good whether is anything imparted by it to beings and to the nature of beings or nothing and if indeed nothing is imparted by it an absurdity will ensue for we shall no longer preserve it in the order of cause 
since it is everywhere requisite that something should be present from cause to things caused and especially from the first cause from which all things are suspended and on account of which every being exists but if something is imparted by it to beings in the same manner as there is by the good there will be something better than goodness in beings imparted to them by the first cause for being more excellent than and above the good it can never bestow on secondary natures anything subordinate to that which is imparted by the nature posterior to itself but what can be more excellent than goodness since we say that the more excellent itself is that which participates of a greater good hence if that which is not good cannot be said to be more excellent than it must entirely be secondary to the good if likewise all beings aspire after the good how is it any longer possible that there should be something prior to this cause for if they also aspire after that which is prior to the good how can they especially aspire after the good but if they do not aspire after it how is it possible that things which proceed from it should not desire the cause of all hence if it is the good from which all beings are suspended the good is the principle and first cause of all things proposition thirteen every good has the power of uniting its participants and every union is good and the good is the same with the one for if the good is preservative of all beings on which account also it is desirable to all things but that which is preservative and connective of the essence of every thing is the one for all things are preserved by the one and dispersion removes everything from essence if this be the case the good will cause those things to which it is present to be one and will connect and contain them according to union and if the one is collective and connective of beings it will perfect everything by its presence hence therefore it is good to all things to be united if however union is of itself good and good has the power of uniting the simply good and the simply one are the same uniting and at the same time benefiting beings hence it is that those things which after a manner fall off from the good are at the same time also deprived of the participation of the one and those things which become destitute of the one being filled with separation are after the same manner likewise deprived of the good hence goodness is union and union is goodness and the one is that which is primarily good proposition fourteen concerning the immovable and self-motive principle or cause every being is either immovable or moved and if moved it is either moved by itself or by another and if indeed it is moved by itself it is self-motive 
but if by another it is alter motive every thing therefore is either immovable or self-motive or alter motive for it is necessary since there are alter motive natures that there should also be that which is immovable and that the self-motive nature should subsist between these for if everything alter motive is moved in consequence of being moved by another thing motions will either be in a circle or they will proceed to infinity but they will neither be in a circle nor have an infinite progression since all beings are bounded by the principle of things and that which moves is better than that which is moved hence there will be something immovable which first moves but if this be the case it is also necessary that there should be something which is self-motive for if all things should stop what will that be which is first moved it cannot be that which is immovable for it is not naturally adapted to be moved nor that which is alter motive for that is moved by something else it remains therefore that the self-motive nature is that which is primarily moved for it is this also which conjoins alter motive natures to that which is immovable being in a certain respect a middle moving and at the same time being moved for of these the immovable moves only but the alter motive is moved only everything therefore is either immovable or self-motive or alter motive corollary from these things likewise it is evident that of things which are moved the self-motive nature is the first but that of things which move the immovable is the first proposition fifteen concerning an incorporeal essence and what the peculiarity of it is everything which is converted to itself is incorporeal for no body is naturally adapted to revert to itself for if that which is converted to anything is conjoined with that to which it is converted it is evident that all the parts of the body which is converted to itself will be conjoined with all the parts for this it is for a thing to be converted to itself when both that which is converted and that to which it is converted become one this however is impossible in body and in short in all partible things for the whole of that which is partible is not conjoined with the whole on account of the separation of the parts some of which are situated differently from others no body therefore is naturally adapted to revert to itself so as that the whole may be converted to the whole hence if there is anything which has the power of reverting to itself it is incorporeal and impartible proposition sixteen everything which is converted to itself has an essence separate from all body for if it was inseparable from any body whatever it would not have a certain energy separate from body for thus energy would be more excellent than essence since the latter indeed would be indigent of bodies 
but the former would be sufficient to itself and would not be in want of bodies if therefore anything is essentially inseparable from body it is also in a similar manner inseparable according to energy or rather it is in a still greater degree inseparable but if this be the case it will not revert to itself for that which is converted to itself being something different from body has an energy separate from body and not either through or together with body since the energy and that to which the energy is directed are not at all in want of body hence that which is converted to itself is entirely separate from bodies proposition seventeen every thing which moves itself primarily is convertive to itself for if it moves itself and its motive energy is directed to itself that which moves and that which is moved are at the same time one for it either moves in a part but is moved in a part or the whole moves and is moved or the whole moves but a part is moved or the contrary but if one part indeed is that which moves and another part is that which is moved it will not be essentially self-motive since it will consist of things which are not self-motive but which appear indeed to be so yet are not so essentially if however the whole moves but the part is moved or the contrary there will be a certain part in both which according to one moves and at the same time is moved and this is that which is primarily self-motive if however one and the same thing moves and is moved it will have the energy of moving to itself being motive of itself but it is converted to that towards which it energizes everything therefore which primarily moves itself is converted to itself proposition eighteen everything which imparts existence to others is itself that primarily which it communicates to the natures that are supplied by it with existence for if it gives existence and makes the communication from its own essence that which it gives is subordinate to its own essence by the seventh proposition but that which it is it is in a greater and more perfect degree since everything which gives subsistence to a certain thing is better than and not the same with it for it is primarily but the other is secondarily that which it is for it is necessary either that each should be the same and that there should be one definition of both or that there should be nothing common and the same in both or that the one should subsist primarily but the other secondarily if however indeed there is the same definition of both the one will no longer be cause but the other effect nor will the one subsist essentially but the other by participation nor will the one be the maker but the other the thing made but if they have nothing which is the same 
the one will not give subsistence to the other by its very being in consequence of communicating nothing to the existence of the other hence it remains that the one should be primarily that which it gives but that the other should be secondarily that to which existence is given the former supplying the latter from its very being proposition nineteen every thing which is primarily inherent in a certain nature of beings is present to all the beings that are arranged according to that nature and this conformably to one reason and after the same manner for if it is not present to all of them after the same manner but to some and not to others it is evident that it was not primarily in that nature but that it is in some things primarily and in others secondarily that sometimes participate of it for that which at one time exists but at another time does not does not exist primarily nor of itself but it is adventitious and is imparted from some other place to the things in which it is thus inherent End of proposition nineteen